Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am amongst your hosts today, Joshua Tracy. I am amongst your hosts today, Corwin Heller. I'm We've got today. special guests. Ooh, you cut him off. I you stepped over you, Dan. Sorry. Sorry, sorry Dan. Can you intro yourself again? <laughs> uh, joining uh, friend and former roommate, Dan. And we got one more hiding back there. No, he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ethan left? Yeah, he walked upstairs. Oh, that's funny. Oh, well. He'll, he'll um, be back down. He left his food down here, but for right now, he's gone. All right. Well, there's one more uh, previous guest appearance person. Ethan Bartlett will also be joining us, I guess, intermittently. Um, anyway, well, welcome to the show. It's Monday, and you're hearing this. It is Sunday. Uh uh, January 10th, right around 5.30 in the afternoon. Currently, it is the middle of the Bears-Saints game, so y'all know what happened. We do not. Um, we also obviously don't know the results of the Browns-Steelers game that will be happening tonight. So we're going to save our talk on what happens with the full slate of games until the Thursday episode looking forward towards the uh, divisional round. Um, that will be happening next weekend. So no football talk in that sense today. Uh, we missed last Thursday's episode due to the possible death of the United States of America. So if you were like, hey, why did they come out with an episode on Thursday? There was a coup. Um, it seemed like a good reason to not talk about sports for a day. But uh, now we're back as we try to heal as a nation and Get back to the things that are important, like uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. potentially signing a contract extension. Uh, so, so that is uh, what we need to heal this country. It it really is. If there's anything that can heal this country, it's really hot dudes signing massive contracts. Um, that's what. Make that's exactly what we need. Yes. Um, really sexy San Diego Padres <laughs> signing really big deals. <laughs> Let's make top two percent wage earners in this country earn top one percent money let's go fernando come on <laughs> uh living the dream uh we will start with a little bit of football talk though there's been a lot of head coaching uh positions opening up around the nfl as owners have decided that hey my team ain't shit um it shouldn't be surprising considering a lot of teams not making the playoffs in the nfc which is a garbage fire of a conference this season um in addition to the afc being traditionally top heavy and uh, a lot of bottom tier teams kind of just purging some coaching staff so with that there's been a lot of uh rumors flying around about who could end up where um due to the quantity of people that are up for the job and the quantity of positions that are open for the job so uh corwin dan myself figured we could go through some of the potential hires and um i don't know maybe you guys could i Corwin and Dan are going to be much better at this than I am, uh, but potentially giving um, some some potential landing spots for for where you think these guys might end up. So, uh, so are we going to guys... go through and name the coaches, and then where I think they would fit, or are we going to name the vacancies and go what coaches fit where? Uh, I don't have the vacancies in front of me, but that might be helpful. Maybe I should. Um, um I'm going to try and open up the open up something that has what's open oh actually i do have that here so if you name the names i can name the locations okay cool i will give you the names and where these people are coming from 
Uh, so uh, I guess let's just jump in with both feet right, here. How about uh, Colts defensive coordinator Matt on the table. Eberfluss? Corwin? Who? Matt you Eberfluss. Can, the oh, Colts right. defensive what, coordinator. Boom. You beat me Colts. to it. Okay. Are, are we on like a tape delay here? Is that what's going on? I I I, I think so. Oh um, boy, this is gonna be fun. This is gonna be a blast. Yeah. So Matt Matt Eberfluss, defensive coordinator from the Colts. So far, according to the tracker I'm looking at, he has interviewed for the Jets and Texans. Um, but I'm not sure if that's a complete list of teams that he's interviewed for. But regardless, uh, thoughts. You know, it's weird. Like looking over the teams that have vacancies, there's a lot of teams here that think that make me think, okay, we need an offensive-minded coach to build around like the young players they have there or the older players that they need to come in and uh, really maximize their talents so that, you know, they can contend while they still can. There's not a whole lot of teams jumping out as needing defensive focused coaches. You know, you have the Falcons and the Texans who have the potential to put up, you know, massive increases across the board if they improve their defense the lions also in that category but i mean you look at the jets the chargers the jaguars guys with young quarterbacks or soon to be young quarterbacks you would and in my mind you would want an offensive-minded coach so i think it's really just those first three that could be options or would be enticing options of lions falcons texans yeah i mean yeah i can't imagine um, I mean, when I think about the Lions, I think of obviously Matt Patricia, but I don't know. It depends on if they're looking to go more defensive direction or if the offense is still, you know, their main priority with Stafford, um, depending on how they. I could see him going to the Patriots if they want to move on from Bill Belichick after such a disappointing year. I think he might have the most secure job position in like the entire NFL. Jerry Jones exists. Okay. <laughs> I would love to see him fire himself, though. That would be fantastic. You mean like John Elway just did? By promoting himself? What a great point, yeah. 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 Truly, like, the, 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 the true one percenter's way of firing himself by promoting himself. <laughs> um, I... I can't. So I've been, you know, every time an update comes out where the Jets announce that they have finished an interview with a defensive coordinator, I can't help but think, wow, you fucking idiots. Um, I'm so done with having these, these, this never ending stream of DCs come in because the Jets have a long, proud history of more, slightly more competent defensive uh, sides of the ball than they do offensive sides of the ball. Um, and how I wanted to have a slightly more competent offensive side of the ball for once. And but it led me to thinking, to well, no, no, we, we certainly cannot. We should not. We didn't earn it. Um, we haven't been bad long enough yet. Um, and, but I, so it led me to think, like, what teams need a defensive coordinator as, as, a, um, as a head coach? And the thing is, I think that's an increasingly, or I guess I should say rapidly decreasing pool of teams as the NFL moves away from a either side could win you a game type of, type of um, setup into being a more so you got to score like 40 points a game 
or not really, but you got to score. You got to be hitting right around 30 to be really considered a championship level team. Those, uh, what, 2013, 2014 Broncos? Um, uh, I think that was the last type of that team we're going to see yeah. for a while. Every year they won the championship. Yeah, maybe it was 2015. Yeah, possibly. That sounds Doesn't matter. closer to the truth. It's whatever year we went to your apartment. Yes, yeah. And it was, yeah, yeah. It was the Cam Newton being God year, all that shit, where everyone on their fucking mother was dabbing. Yeah. Um, honestly, all right. Just this... to close out on Eberflaus, I think he specifically is likely going to return to Indianapolis. I think that's a team who is in position to get a premier free agent or, you know, not necessarily draft, but free agent quarterback. And hey, with, I mean, if they want one, like gently Robert use Sam Darnold. Darnold. In the, uh, you know, uh, the not depth chart, but the standing order of, you know, premier head coach candidates. You know, Salah, we're going to talk about him in a minute, but he's the clear top choice for defensive-minded guys. And I just don't think there's enough teams looking for defensive-focused coaches to give Everfluss a, a serious consideration. Again, this is something that, that you will know significantly better than I will. So I trust your judgment on that call. Uh, let's take you to the next one. Um, this is the big one. This is the one I want. I think this is one of the guys that most fans of teams amidst head coaching interviews would also like to see based on his Adam current Gates. reputation. Oh, you know it, baby. Uh, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. And when I told Pete that that's who I wanted, Pete said, who? And I was sad. Um, but Eric Bieniemy, what do you think? It's one of those names where you know Andy Reid. You know he's the kingpin of that, you know, staff. Eric Bieniemy just kind of doesn't have that that street talk almost or that street reputation where, you know, he doesn't have the history of of high profile, you know, big it's hard to say. Like he hasn't been a, a head coach before. You know, it's a first time candidate. Yeah, he's been behind the Pat Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Andy Reid, you know, superstar offense with so much talent, but you hear those names and not his. So I could kind of get why people who don't pay attention to like the coaching side of the NFL wouldn't necessarily even know who Eric Bieniemy is. But again, you're right. He is the cream of the crop for NFL coaches, you know, and, and promoting coordinators. Yeah, I mean, he's a recognizable name, absolutely. I think he definitely could succeed uh, with going into a head coach position compared to a lot of other assistant coaches that may not fit, especially with having those talents around. Um, but I don't know. It's hard to say. Where do you guys think he would uh, would be a good fit for him? I'd really like to see him in Los Angeles with a guy like Justin Herbert. I'd really love to see him in Jacksonville with a guy that like um, Justin Fields, who's going to go first overall. Uh, sorry, Trevor Lawrence. Um, I don't know. Like, I'd like to see him go to the Jets because I want to see the Jets turn things around. And it would be cool to have a guy like Justin Fields there who is not Patrick Mahomes, but has some mobility, has some good arm strength, and, you know, can make some of those throws. But if we're being honest, I think it's the first two and, and then the rest. 
Uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think Chargers would be a great spot for him because I think I think what we have all been saying as outside observers of the Chargers for the past, I don't know, eight years, maybe, maybe, maybe more, uh, is damn, that roster has such great pieces, but they just can't either pull it together or stay healthy. Pick your choice. It's the same thing. Um, exactly. And seeing them have like, and I think Anthony Lynn is still a really good coach. I'd like to see him have success somewhere else. Um, but I think that having a good bedrock of um, an offensive minded coach with that young quarterback and with all the good that has been, that's got going there in the chargers organization in terms of the roster, at least um, could be a really quick and sudden rise to second in that division leapfrog. I don't think it would take much for them to leapfrog over the Raiders. Which I think I would make that a really um, interesting uh, hire. You know, I think that they could easily start pushing Kansas City for not the top slot, but at least lighting a fire underneath them in the division and showing, hey, you know, we already have the defense that can stop a top-tier offense. It didn't work out this year, but they have that ability. We have Justin Herbert now. We have some good receiving talent. We can put it all together. And I agree. I really like Anthony Lynn. Excuse me. I would not be surprised if he got another high-profile position, whether it be a lower-end head coaching vacancy, like the Jets. No offense, Josh. No, I was or, actually about to say, it wouldn't be a terrible fit. Right. And I, I do think he could do better with a fresh new start. I think he could be what we expected him to become. Uh, you know, someplace where he could start anew have a clean slate, stuff like that. East Coast, baby, right here for you. Uh, all right, next one, Bills offensive coordinator, Brian Deball. It's There's been a lot of talk about Brian Dable being the top guy, you know, in competition with Eric Bieniemy as being, you know, the top offensive <sighs> Ethan's making comments over in the corner, just lying on the ground. It's great. Yeah. He asked if we were recording. We are. It's okay. I do really like Brian Dable uh, in talks to be in competition with Eric Bieniemy. I personally prefer Bieniemy, but you know you can't talk down what he's been able to do with Josh Allen about bringing in Stephon Diggs and just having this electric powerhouse offense that. I will be the first to admit, has just shocked me. Um, so I could definitely see him being a, a top guy. Dan, what do you think? <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so we 20 funny. minutes I in, we're boring him to Mike death. Ethan for just being a goddamn like six year old in the corner, just making noises. So, Dan, Are you guys I'm watching the Nickelodeon broadcast? Yeah. Um, no, especially seeing the Bills' offense and how well they did this year, like it makes sense that you can bring you know Dable's talent to whatever other team and really start to build on him. Uh, hopefully, as a good head coach, um, you know he is not necessarily something or somebody that I would be disappointed if you know if you miss out on Eric. This you know is going to be a successful coach for kind of wherever he lands. It sounds like. Where would uh, where would you guys like to see him go? Do you think he'd stay in division and go with the Jets? Could you see it? 
Yeah, I I think there's a lot less animus than than in um, generations past behind um, going to interdivision teams. And that goes for the playing side and the coaching side. Um, I think you know the concept of Belichick leaving the Jets to go to the Patriots as a fuck you to the Jets organization is less about look at me, I'm going to your rival and more so look at me, I'm going to a team that has an opening. Um, and I don't, I, I I think it's pretty outside of maybe, maybe Rex Ryan going to the bills is the last time I could really think of, uh, uh, Hey, I want to, I want to fuck over my previous team as hard as possible. Kind of move like Gase going from Miami to the jets was more so about, the Johnsons being really stupid owners and seeing Gase four <laughs> times and deciding, hey, that guy beat us all four times. Let's hire him. And not understanding Wait, that there's guys, more than four games in two seasons. Um, you guys actually want to hire me as your next head coach? <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> um, that was my Adam Gase sniffing Coke uh, impersonation. But, yeah, I, 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 I don't... I don't think there's going to be too much. I so yeah. I long-winded way of saying yeah. I think he would certainly do it because at the end of the day, everything anyone wants in the NFL is to be a part of the top tier of the boys' club, which is head coach. I think he ends up going to one of the Chargers or Jacksonville, whichever one doesn't hire Eric Bieniemy or whichever one prefers Dable and chooses to hire him instead whichever their preference is um so you're, you're officially not giving any credence to the uh urban meyer to jacksonville rumor i absolutely am that was going to be my follow-up of if jacksonville does go outside the nfl they go with a guy like urban meyer i think you know the enemy could fall there or you know or dayball excuse me would be able to fall to the jets and i think that would be an excellent fit Fair, fair, fair. All right. Next up, uh, Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith. I don't think he leaves. I think he stays put. I just don't think there's another location for him to uh, that would essentially be favoring him to come in and be a, a nose to the dirt, you know, hard running team. The way the Titans have been focused these past couple of years. I think I remember reading something about him and his um, scheme versatility, which I think could be very interesting um, with so many different teams being needy and and him being relatively fresh-faced. That being said, I I really haven't heard much about him being one of the premier candidates. Yeah, I don't have uh, too much experience with or seeing uh, what Arthur Smith can do. I don't know. I not a name that I was super familiar with, but if he's part of the Titans, who knows that if there's an opening that needs to get filled, it's all that he could stay. But you know, if he's needed somewhere else, and stick him there. Yeah, just put him anywhere. Put him I where, uh, yeah. You know, he's like the last puzzle piece. You wait till the end to do, and it's just like, all right, there. That's that's where it has to go because there's no other spot. Oh for yeah, it. for sure. He's definitely going to be the the scraps of the head coaching. Uh, uh, vacancies, I'm sure. I could see for this is going to be really dumb rationale. I'm warning you ahead of time. Uh, but I could see him going to Atlanta, um, 
only because I bet some idiot is going to think, and I'm not sure it's going to be the winning theory, but some someone's going to think, hey, he turned around the Titans with Ryan Tannehill. Maybe he could turn around us with Matt Ryan. Um, even though it's not how the sport works, there's definitely someone who's going to be that. That'll definitely be something a commentator says. Should he go there? Be like, well, you know, Tannehill looked like he was washed up, and and uh, looks like the Titans weren't going anywhere. And then they bring in, they got this guy as OC, and look at the Titans now flourishing. And Atlanta hopes to bring that magic here too with this hire and rejuvenate Matt Ryan and his whole and the Atlanta Falcons franchise. Um, guaranteed. You want to hear my? You want to hear my crazy theory about Atlanta? Hear it. I think they realize that their defense is not good enough to, you know, keep their offense, you know, propped up enough to make it to a Super Bowl and contend. So I think they hire Adam Gase to just completely destroy their offense, destroy <laughs> Cal Ridley, destroy Julio, destroy Matt Ryan. That way they can tank and get the next Trevor Lawrence the way Adam Gase has done, you know, with all the other franchises he's been a part of. Fair. Yeah, I think that's totally viable. He, yeah, I think I think you make a, a pretty salient point, which is that at whatever team Adam Gaze goes to, in literally whatever capacity he goes to them, um, that team's trying to lose. I really, I don't really care. I don't care if he becomes wide receivers coach. That team's trying to lose. I really hope Adam Gaze gets banned from the NFL, not because of anything he did, but because it's a clear sign of tanking, and the NFL just wants to get rid of that. You mean like when, like uh, that, what, three, four seasons when Josh McCown was just bouncing around team to team to help teams lose? Uh, exactly. Those were good times. Yeah. Um, all right, this is an interesting one. Rams defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley. I honestly don't know much about him at all. I just had to shove a wing out of my mouth because you, uh, you were very quick with that response. I was quick. Um. I don't know anything about him either. I think he's an interesting one because, I mean, there are a lot of star players on that Rams defense, and mm-hmm. that's not, I'm not trying to take anything away from whomever the defensive coordinator is, apparently someone named Brandon Staley. Um, but, goddamn, there are a lot of like people who went for first-round picks on that defense, and I... I'm not sure I'd be comfortable handing over the reins of my team to a guy that has that much star power to lean on, uh, especially when the team in their original good iteration two years ago was more of an offense first vehicle than they were a defense first vehicle that since has definitely changed and improved over the last two seasons. Um, But that is also predicated on the fact that they've gotten a lot more juice on defense. So I don't know. know I find this to be an odd pick. You know what gives me hope? What? The Rams thought he was good enough to replace Wade Phillips, and that has to speak to something. Oh, that's an interesting point. You know, I think Wade Phillips is too good of a D coordinator historically and, you know, consistently that they would move on from him so readily uh, and so surprisingly, honestly, if unless they had a guy that they knew would be a, a good replacement. Fair, 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 fair. Dan, do you have any salient points on this? No, I, I would probably need a little more background knowledge on him to, to really feel confident. Well, I ain't fucking giving it to you, so we're moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think any... Since none of us knew who this guy was, this is clearly a shot in the dark here. Um, 
Giants defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham. That's a hilarious one. Wow. Okay. Corwin, Giants defense coordinator, Patrick Graham. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, is this worth the time? Oh, okay. Hold on. There's actually a note here. It says that the Jets wanted to interview him, but he signed an extension with the Giants instead, so he will not be interviewing for any head coaching vacancies this offseason. I can't believe the Jets wanted to interview this guy. The Giants do not have a good defense. Yeah, they, they had a pretty good one this year. Might be their only redeeming quality. I, uh, it wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm hard pressed to say it was it was good, but I take your point. Um, Saints secondary coach Aaron Glenn. I honestly, holy shit, hot sauce just went through into my lungs. Holy shit, uh, honestly. I don't think that this is a year that we should be looking at position coaches when there's so many premier head coaching candidates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy. Well, he takes a glug of ranch. Um... <laughs> well, that's what they give it to you in those little shot glasses. That's exactly what they're in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really tried to power through that and... Not have to just put it down, but holy shit, that was rough. I thought this was going to be the audio tape that you died on. This will be <laughs> this will be where your final words are recorded. Oh man! Anyway, at the beginning of this podcast, to let them know that you know this is not meant for young children. This is R-rated. This will not be aired on Nickelodeon. Um, I honestly I don't remember where I even was, but oh. um, Aaron Glenn. Head coaching candidates this year to seriously consider non-absolutely elite secondary coaches or position coaches. Yeah, I, um, I think I think he'll probably end up if he is being put on lists for head coaching positions. I don't think it's out of the realm possibility to say he might get offered a DC role or at least some greater. Yeah. Um, overall kind of role somewhere else if there's that much um, weight being put behind him as a positions coach but like you said there's there's too many coordinators up for for head coaching jobs with too many head coaching vacancies thus leading to too much competition for the best coach to really be taking chances um, especially since so many divisions are are prime for a team to to leapfrog over a few, like we just mentioned with the Chargers over the Raiders, and um, the NFC North is actually pretty wide open right now, and the NFC South is confusing. Um, so I, yeah, I don't, I don't think this is a very serious one either. Um, I could see him filling in for one of the defensive coordinators that do get hired. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a fair assessment. So definitely a, um, uh, uh, what's it's not what's the word I'm looking for? Performance. Oh, um, I don't. I can't think of the word either. It doesn't matter. Forty um, Niners defensive coordinator Robert Sala. Yeah, Robert Sala. He's the premier defensive, you know, minded head defensive coordinator going into one of these positions. Um, has really made something special out of the 49ers defense. Um, I think he definitely has the right 
energy, the right, you know, uh, mental focus or mental makeup, excuse me, to be a, a very good Mike Vrabel-esque offensive or excuse me, head coach. And, you know, I'd be excited for, you know, a team to be hiring this guy if, you know, you really want to focus on building a premier hard-headed defense. Yeah, not wrong. Uh, he was the same uh, defensive coordinator that took them to the Super Bowl last year, right? Yep. So, I mean, with that on his track record, it, it makes him make the top uh, prospects out there for sure. Where do you guys think would be a good fit for him? The New York Jets. Uh, Fuck um, you. The Lions, the Falcons. Um, the Bears. Oh, my. Exactly. I think the Bears could definitely take a look at him if they do move on from Matt Nagy. I think that would be a good fit as well. Well, the Bears are definitely going to have to move on from Matt Nagy at some point. I just hope they realize it sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I move on from Mitchell Trubisky. <clears throat> Which I can't believe I was listening to the announcers jerk him off before this game started, talking about how he, you know, might have oh played himself God. into a smaller uh, extension. And it's just like, oh, dude, dude, he's, yeah, he's had like a weirdly good run against a bunch of really shit teams and a really down year for the NFC. Do you guys not realize a seven and nine team made the playoffs and the Bears are an eight and eight team? And no, no one in the NFC East finished with a 500 record. Like it's, it was a bad year for NFC football, man. And that's that's a whole side thing. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think of the defensive coordinators will probably go first. Mediocre starting QB, and I don't get how you could see major potential still through that. No, I mean we're talking. We, you, you and I have talked on this show several times about how. We're not the Jets shouldn't be that lenient on Sam Darnold, who has shown much higher flashes than um, Mitchell Trubisky has. Though Mitchell Trubisky, I think, has had maybe a better kind of underlying, maybe a better floor. But either way, these guys aren't really changing their stripes at this point in their career. They are who they are. You guys got to decide if you can work with that or not. And the Bears should realize that they can't. Um, but that's to the side. Uh, this is this is this one infuriated me beyond belief that I heard that the Jets interviewed him. Former Bengals head coach Marvin Lewis, Mister Mediocrity, Mister Snake Oil. Wait, no, that's Hugh Jackson. Marvin Lewis, yeah, Mister Mediocrity is right, boy. I mean, I get he was consistent, but it was not consistently good for a long time when they hired him it was it was pretty rough i'm very surprised he's even trying to come back and if he is a candidate then any of these places that are just getting rid of these coaches that were just mediocre are absolutely not going after this guy unless they're the jets yeah yeah i mean obviously he's going to the jets but like I mean, you already kind of knew that <laughs> what's crazy is that the the jump from uh, Adam Gase to Marvin Lewis is probably still gigantic. Um, only because that's how bad Adam Gase is. Uh, I uh, just real quick, the Marvin. Any guesses as to Marvin Lewis's um, win loss record or win loss percent? Take your pick. Career. Career. I, I'll give you the number of games. Uh, Two hundred fifty-six games. Um. I bet his win percentage is like 561. Dan, do you have a guess? I'd say probably lower than that. I'd say <laughs> probably closer to 500, even. 
split the difference. Five eighteen. Shit. Ma- Marvin Lewis has won nine more games than he has lost over his sixteen years as an NFL head coach. Consistency. One thirty one, one twenty two, and three ties. My God. I. Why? <laughs> My God. Yeah, it's 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 just so unnecessary for him to be being interviewed for head coaching positions literally anywhere. Oh, um, oh, here's one that I definitely don't know anything about that I'm relying on you two to tell me something about. Florida head coach Dan Mullen. Oh my God! No, no, we're moving on. What? I I don't we're understand. Mo- we're moving on. Why? He's not no, I don't. Solid. Like he's a fine head coach. He's had good runs, but he's not coming to the NFL. I just, I do not see that as being a fit. Dan, are you in a consensus here? Yeah, I think he has too much going on in Florida. So if he doesn't stay for another year or so, then, I mean, he's got too much going on in college. Granted, I can't see him really going to the NFL otherwise. All right. Well, <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> uh, Panthers offensive coordinator Joe Brady, another uh, uh, main p- point of interest this offseason. I mean, he just got an offensive coordinator position. He just got to the NFL. He just finished his first season. As much as I love the guy and was touting him just immensely this time last year, it's too early to give him the reins of an entire team. I just, I don't know. I'd want to have some experience under his belt before seriously considering him. But then again, we've also talked about you'd rather get him a year too early than a year too late. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, with only that much experience time, like I don't know what the average like number of years as like an assistant before taking a head coach job would be, but I mean that just does not seem like it would be enough to to really steer any um, organization with you know a person with only one year of experience in the NFL. Yeah, I I I know we've talked about on the show before. It's that balance between uh, you know. Earning your stripes, so to so to speak, before being given the opportunity to opportunity to run a full uh, full team versus uh, getting in on the ground floor of a guy, you know. Um, and who do you want? What type? What does the team look like that's taking a risk like that? Like, hey, you know, Joe Brady might be phenomenal for the for the Jets because the Jets are on the ground floor as a as a franchise and. The two of them can build up in unison and kind of build the vision around what Joe Brady wants to do, or that could go disastrously terribly, and the Jets have to rebuild in like another three years when Joe Brady doesn't work out. Or Joe Brady could go to the Chargers, who we've said are in a much better um, position roster-wise, and they where they could maybe even take a swing for three, two or three seasons to see if the Joe Brady thing works out and still be in Justin Herbert's rookie deal by the time they decide whether to keep Joe Brady around for a longer stretch of time or move on from him. There's pluses and minuses to both sides, which is why I think seeing what team hires him will be very interesting in terms of how that team views themselves and what direction they plan on heading, because this is more of a gamble than an Eric Bieniemy is, where we have a lot of data on Eric Bieniemy, 
um, and they are serving in the same coordinators position, but it'll be, you know, I, I see both sides. I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a fit per se for them. Do you actually, I don't know. I didn't ask. Did you guys, either you guys have a, have a, have a fit for Joe Brady if he was to go anywhere? I think it's in the same boat of, you know, I think he would do really well with the chargers. I think he would do very well with the Jaguars. If he could match himself up with a defensive coordinator, somebody like Wade Phillips, who is, you know, extremely experienced, extremely, you know, uh, has that reputation for being the greatness that he is. And Joe Brady could lean on for that experience that he's lacking. You know, Wade Phillips and Joe Brady in Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence is incredible. Them doing the same thing, you know, Wade Phillips taking over for that great Chargers defense. Um, Joe Brady working with Justin Herbert, that would be fantastic. Yeah, you got a much better situation for Jacksonville. I mean, even though finishing with the same record as the Jets, you have that draw factor of having Trevor Lawrence and this new, really talented quarterback. And even with the running back with James Robinson, I think, yeah, if you can get a good set of coaches for the value that Jacksonville is going to have, uh, I think it's got some some power in terms of they get to pick who they really would like in that position. All right, boys, last one. Uh, Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell. I know nothing about Iowa State, so you guys have to carry me on this. He's been a pretty popular head coaching candidate for a couple of years now. Um, just his ability to turn an Iowa State team that you still do not even know who they are and turn them into a, a team that was in contention for a top 10 and possibly bowl bid, uh, New Year's Six bowl bid, if their season kind of worked out a little better. Actually, no, they're in the Big 12, aren't they? Yeah, so that's they're not group of five. Regardless, they still had a really great season. They finished the year ranked. He's been a very popular candidate for a while now. It's just he hasn't yet shown the desire to leave for the NFL. He's interviewed, he's talked, but he still has said he wants to stay in college for now. We'll see what happens, but I think he'd be a pretty good, um, I believe, offensive uh, focus head coach. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while you'll see the the results of you know somebody in college that, damn it. situations where uh, you get the popular coaches after a lot of success. Um, they seem like great NFL candidates, but then they just keep floating around the college scene because they don't really want to go up to that level. So, I don't know. I don't, I, he may not leave Iowa State, like you said. Um, yeah, he's been around in the college situation for long, and he's always been kind of been in that conversation. Uh, so he's like he's like the Van Wilder of head coaching. He's just never going to leave college. That is correct. Gotcha, gotcha. We're putting it in terms I can understand here, folks. Um, this is our Nickelodeon broadcast. I am the children. Um, uh, who is going to get slimed? <laughs> by the end of the night, all of us, baby. Ah. Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, Drew Brees. Drew Brees will get slimed, but he'll still stand for the national anthem. That's how he was raised. Uh, anyway, so those are the uh, the head coaches I have here on this list. Are there any other guys that you you two can think of uh, that are potential candidates that have had their names floating around out there that I failed to mention thus far? 
Um, Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern has had his name kind of thrown into the hat. I'm not necessarily taking that super seriously yet. I think the bigger name from college and the biggest name from college is Urban Meyer, who we mentioned but didn't really talk about. It really seems to be just Jacksonville that he has that interest for, you know, not reuniting, but being able to unite with Trevor Lawrence. I think that's a fantastic fit. I mean, we've seen Urban Meyer's track record in college. He's won championships at Ohio State. He's won championships at Florida. He's had just a gluttony of top-end talent at quarterback that has either been phenomenal talent like Tim Tebow or Cam Newton, who didn't really play for him, but he was fucking there, so it counts. Um, Or whether he's kind of manufactured some of that quarterback success with his offensive system, Braxton Miller, every single Ohio State quarterback. Um, You know, it's, it's something to look for, and I think it's something that would be incredible to watch. Right on. There's one. If there's one position that I think I've just seen the most, um, you know, hype about the most in rumors, it's got to be Urban Meyer to uh, the Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, he's got a reputation that you know he's going to be able to do something, um, especially with having Trevor Lawrence there. You know, if that's something he is interested in, and he's not just going to be in the conversation for years to come and never commit to it, then so as well. But otherwise, I think that's I'd probably. And maybe the biggest luck um, in terms of the rumors that I've seen. Build him a statue now. Build a statue of Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence and put it in Duval outside of that stadium before either one is drafted or hired. Not until they build that Blake Bortles statue. He'll be the base of the monument holding them both up on his shoulders. Yeah, and then you can donate your jersey for the for them to put on the statue. Absolutely. You still you still got that uh Bortles jersey, right? Oh, oh I do. I, With pride? Jacksonville Jaguar five Blake Bortles jersey. In Fantastic. women's medium, yes. No, that's the Paul Puzlesny jersey. Oh, and it was right, right, right. large, Josh. Get the details <laughs> right. right. So sorry. <laughs> oh, so sorry, my friend. Uh, all right. Shall we? Uh, shall we make a pivot from uh, from football to baseball, or do we have any other uh, hot button topics for baseballs that does not include this week's playoff games? What? <laughs> you guys good with pivoting from baseball, football to baseball, uh, or is there anything else football wise you guys want to talk about before we uh, we we pivot? Nah, man. Fuck football. Well, that is a wild take coming from Corwin Heller, but it's locked in. All right. Uh, let's start with uh, with with another one of the free agency, um, or at least off-season moves that we were talking about uh, last week. The big, shining uh, uh, trade of this past week was the Mets and the Cleveland baseball team, um, in which Cleveland offered up Francisco Lindor and Carlos Cookie Carrasco in exchange for um, shortstop Andre Jimenez, shortstop Ahmed Rosario, 
outfielder Isaiah Green, and right-handed pitcher Josh Wolf in what is yet another one of these quote-unquote fleecings that we've seen around the MLB uh, in the past few weeks alongside the uh, couple of Padres deals that we saw go down uh, recently. Corbin, what is your immediate reaction to, to this trade here? Just fucking why, man? Why? Why do you have to be so unbelievably cheap? You're a billionaire o- owner of sports franchises, man. Why? Yeah, I I, I don't understand. Because it, it's the exact... It's the like exact same thing that we were talking about last week when we talked about um, why, how it was like all well and good that the Padres got Snell and and Darvish because you know Padres being good sounds fun, um, Mets being good sounds fun. That's all well and good. Not trying to shit on any of the receiving end teams at all. What's fucking annoying and weird is why these players are being moved. For not much, um, because Cleveland isn't getting a great return here. Uh, they they're getting Ahmed Rosario, who is capable of playing the game of baseball, um, and a handful of guys. Um, I'm not. I don't mean it to be, you know. Obviously, I mean it to be a little bit lighthearted and cheeky about this, but like. Andre Jimenez probably isn't going to be a long-term solution for them if they ever plan on being serious within the next, you know, three years or so, or five, even maybe even five years. Um, and none of these, none of these other guys really mean all that much. You know, Josh Wolf is a career minor leaguer uh, who's 18, so uh, you know he's got a whole bunch ahead of him. Isaiah Green is uh, 19, and. Uh, what did I say? How old did I say Jimenez was? I forget. Uh, 22. So, you know, this is a really, really young set of dudes that they've, that they've got here um, to go along with, uh, what's his fucking name? Ahmed Rosario, who I didn't pull up his page. How old do you think Ahmed Rosario is now? 27. I'll say, I'll take the under. I'll say 26. 24. Jesus Christ. Really? Wow. Um, regardless. It, it, it's, a, it's a crop of young dudes, and I understand that uh, Lindor is heading into a contract year, and Carrasco is older. Uh, this will be his age 34 season that he's heading into. Um, and, you know, what is Cleveland expected to be getting back? At the same time, though, Cleveland almost certainly could have gotten back more than this, even if they decided to just roll with these two dudes into the season, wait until a team got desperate enough that were or a team was like, you know, on the border of being in the playoffs and needed to make a last minute splash and push. Then they could have offloaded these guys to try to get more of a return due to the point of desperation, which is also, might I add, not an uncommon thing to do. The Yankees did this when they traded Aroldis Chapman to the Cubs in exchange for um, Gleyber Torres, among other pieces. We see that the Yankees also did it in the same season with with the the Cleveland baseball team when they traded um, what's his fucking name? Not Brad Hand, the other lefty. Fucking oh, um, oh my okay. god, what's his fucking name? 
Oh, this is going to kill me. Andy it Miller? was so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy Miller. Um, and they got back um, Clint Frazier for, for him. And, you know, again, other pieces involved in those trades. But those two dudes now start for the Yankees a lot of games. Um, Glaber Torres being their full-time shortstop, though hopefully he moves to second. And Clint Frazier being a an occasional full-time left fielder, which I know is a confusing sentence, but it makes sense if you follow the team. Um, and now, crazy. Ahmed Rosario will be a starting shortstop for the Cleveland baseball team, but he won't be replacing anybody with talent. He will be filling a hole and playing shortstop because who else is Cleveland going to have to play shortstop? You know, if Isaiah Green sees action in the next three years, it'll probably be because Cleveland didn't get anybody better. Josh Wolf might make um, relief appearances. Who cares? And Andre Jimenez will probably be dealt somewhere else pretty soon. It's a, it's, it's, it's a nonsense trade that is only there to shed salary. And what makes that crazy is that these guys aren't even getting paid that much. Um, uh, Francisco Lindor is uh, supposed to get paid, I think, $17.5 million heading into next season. And uh, Carrasco is supposed to get paid, I think it looks like another 10 Which, in baseball money, not a lot of money. That $27 million ain't a lot. For two players, that is still less than one Gebert Cole. And again, I understand Cleveland is its own thing. As it stands right now, the Cleveland ownership is the fourth richest ownership in all of baseball. And Cleveland, as it stands right now, has the lowest payroll heading into the 2021 season of all MLB teams by half. You could double their payroll and they would just pass the Baltimore Orioles at second to last. It's It's disgusting. It's truly amazing how quickly you can see the soul sucked out of a sport when it's run as a business and not without any passion for the sport. You know, if it's run by people who are committed and are fans of the sport itself and are passionate about the sport of baseball, you get teams like the Padres who don't have a lot of money but are willing to put all the chips in because this is our time or teams that just show that who have a low budget but are at least creative and do things with that budget enough to make it happen the cleveland baseball team is really just an investment like a capital asset to this guy where he doesn't care how the team does as long as he's making a you know, profit at the end of the day. Uh, I would like to issue a correction on myself real quick, which is that the uh, Carlos Carrasco is set to make $12 million heading into this next season. Um, I had said 10 and um, Francisco Lindor is set to make 19.5 million. I had said 17.5. So that extra $4 million that I had left unaccounted for. Yeah. And, it, it's dumb because, and again, this is a point, Corwin, you and I have said so many times, which is the way to run a sports team like a successful business is to have them win fucking games. That's it. That is the most surefire way to guarantee the best ROI is to have your team be good. Like, the same constraints 
or whatever constraints Dolan in, in the Cleveland Dolan feels as though he's feeling right now are the same constraints that the Padres ownership is feeling. Probably not Mets ownership because Steve Cohen is a literal billionaire. Um, but regardless, a lot. what'd you, uh, what'd you say? No, I remember this exact, uh, you guys, I believe, covered this in terms of like how Cleveland has been able to do so much and make even the playoffs um, with the lowest salary compared to anyone else in that air and then uh, uh, skill level. And so, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever uh, for Cleveland to make this this move. It, yeah, and it, it, it's it's uncompetitive. Which is why I feel like MLB should be stepping in more on some of these trades because it is like these are trades that wouldn't get approved in fantasy dynasty leagues. And I understand that fantasy dynasty leagues, you don't often have to consider, you know, things like payroll. But again, like the Mets are the Mets are coming off awesome on this. You love to see this. You love to see this from a new ownership group. You love to see this in a big market. Even when it's the second team in a big market for the Mets, it's still really great. It's good for the sport. It is so detrimental for for um, the sport in terms of who is dishing this shit out and for baseball's viability in the city of Cleveland, which is a difficult market to operate in because their teams are often bad. The, the level, the bar that is set for being good in the city of Cleveland is very low, which works to that mm-hmm. team's advantage if they were to capitalize on it. And instead, they they're just cool with Baker saying "fuck Mayfield it." On the side of a building to replace LeBron James, the bar cannot get much lower. No, no, it it can't. And um, I I I'm guessing we're heading into a, a period of tanking, um, because I don't know how you'd read this as anything else. In the past several off seasons, Cleveland hasn't budged in what they've been doing, um. And we all saw that as kind of like what the Yankees are doing this offseason, which is, hey, you know, we think we're good. We don't think we need it. So we're just going to go without and see how we do, um, which worked out well for them for a couple of years and is no longer going to be viable. And now they're probably trying to, I guess, shed as much payroll as they can, stock up on prospects and draft picks. Well, you can't trade draft picks in MLB, but stock up on uh, on prospects and see what they can get in the next few years and try to replicate the Orioles' quick turnaround time. Um, but God damn it, if it isn't gross, the small level of return that they're getting. And I understand Lindor only has one year left. We've seen players go for a lot more than this, even with one year left. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's dumping cap. That's all it is. Even though it's not technically cap, but it's, it's dumping payroll. It's something that's so unbelievably one-sided. If it wasn't fantasy, there's no way it wouldn't be vetoed because there's no way this trade happens without collusion or just a pure lack of any desire to be competitive in the league and you would get kicked out just the same. It's ridiculous. Like right. Use the COVID when, excuse or they're going to every step of the way. Which, again, we talked about last week, which is stupid because every team has the COVID excuse. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Um, just for 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 comparison's sake, um, the Dodgers traded for Manny Machado, um, la- not last year, sorry, two years ago, the 2018 season. I'll put it that way. Um, 
Yeah, the pod, the Padres. But for reference, the the Orioles did what I said the Cleveland team should do, which is they rolled into the season with Machado, waited until there was a team that needed to be pushed over that edge, which the Dodgers viewed themselves as needing an extra an extra few war in there at the third base position and then traded them for a, a higher price. And in return, um, I don't know where these guys ranked in the Dodgers farm system at that time, but they got um, outfielder, Usniel Diaz, right-handed pitcher, Dean Kremer, who who actually is pitching for them now in, in the majors. Um, third baseman, Ryland Bannon, right-handed pitcher, Zach Pop, and third baseman, Bravik Valera, who also, uh, played meaningful games for the Orioles and then ultimately uh, actually did he get traded? Yeah, he got traded um, in exchange for somebody else. I don't remember who, but that return alone. Uh, and again, I don't recall exactly where these people placed themselves on the Dodgers um, depth chart, but that return alone is already more substantial for one player who had like three months left on this contract. than the, then the, the Cleveland team got for two all-star players with one year and three years, I think, for Cookie. Yeah, three years left on their contracts, respectively. Like, it's insane. an insane trade. Yeah, it's just pure apathy for the sport. <sighs> I mean, like, it just kind of sucked to be a fucking Cleveland fan, man. Like, because you had to know you know, you weren't keeping Lindor around. Like, there was no delusional Cleveland fans that thought ownership was going to have a change of heart. But, I mean, you certainly must have convinced yourself you were going to get more back for him than this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know how any fan that thought we were going to get any spectacular return because they knew we really didn't have much leverage because there was no chance the Dolans were going to decide to spend this kind of money. But I don't think there was anyone who thought it would be anything like this. Like, this is just ridiculous. This kind of return for a guy like Lindor would have been disgusting if it was just for him. But including Cookie on top of it is just insanity. Yeah, it, it, would, it would look a lot different... And I probably wouldn't have as harsh of a tone to it. I'm actually not sure my tone would be that harsh at all if it was just Lindor. Like, I, obviously Lindor is the splashier name, the bigger um, player. Um, he'll be a, a he'll be a very significant person at a very significant position um, on the diamond. But like, people are discounting Carlos Carrasco and where he's going to slide into that Mets pitching rotation. And he's that, that part of it's a really big deal. Um, you, know, like there, you can very forget. reasonably talk yourself into, into this as being a trade for Francisco Lindor in which you got Carlos Carrasco for free. Right. And people forget, like he was, you know, considered a, a one B almost to Corey Kluber back when, that tandem was, you know, at the top of MLB pitching. And it's 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 crazy how he's still shown the ability to be an all-star caliber pitcher. But he's worth nothing. Uh, I I mean uh, yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. Oh. 
I'm trying to decide which which trade I hate more, this trade or the Mookie Betts trade. It's probably still the Mookie Betts trade because it's still ridiculous that they did that. But this really sucks as well because Cleveland's not paying for anybody. What star players do Cleveland have under contract on their organization right now? It's nobody. Jose Ramirez, James. Well, no, he's he's on his rookie deal. Really. I believe so. Hmm. I believe I believe Jose Ramirez is still under his rookie contract. I'll double check, but so what, what I'm saying. the question was what stars does Cleveland have that's not on their rookie deal? Yeah, that they have like under under an actual contract. Oh. Um Yep. yep. Uh yeah, right? Like we're we're done. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> End of list. <laughs> yep. It really okay, just no, seems so he, like a, a pass through for money. It, it's Jose like Ramirez, no real quick. Thing. Jose Ramirez is uh, has a quote unquote contract that really just bought out some RBers. We are very familiar with these contracts, where it's like you know he's on his second year of arbitration, and they're going to give him in this case it's four years, twenty six million dollars. So while it's technically a quote unquote contract, it's a very very small contract, especially for the world of baseball in which he's getting. Um, less than seven million dollars a year so it's kind of meaningless um geez any all right any any anyway in happier baseball news um unless there's any final thoughts on the lindor trade nope no all right um fernando tatis jr it is rumored rumored is currently negotiating an extension with our San Diego Padres um, for 11 years and $320 million. Um, he has been, he has quickly become one of the faces of baseball, in addition to becoming uh, the face of the Padres um, in pretty short order, right after I think most people had probably written Manny Machado into that slot. Tatis Jr. comes along and almost makes you forget Machado's on that team um, because he's that good and that fun, that big of a personality, and that hot. Uh, <laughs> so um, this is Very great attractive. because it's he is such a good-looking dude. I love him. Um, because that's, that's the kind of guy you want to have as the, as the face of your team. Judge, I love Judge. That is a weird-looking dude with a very big gap between his teeth. Um, it's that's that you know, I want much. If I had to pick a guy, give me Tatis Jr. as the guy to be the face of baseball. But regardless, um, okay. so that comes in right around twenty-nine million Dolores a season AAV, which for his position uh, at shortstop is honestly like I'm. I don't want to say it's a steal, but it feels like a steal um especially with some of the long-term contracts we've seen given out to guys like um obviously mike trout is mike trout but we all also know that mlb teams never pay for war in their truest aspect um uh but even you know guys like uh Giancarlo stanton um actually no i guess stanton's aav is lower than this it's close doesn't matter corwin tell me about what you think about this fernando tatis jr potential extension Honestly, the thought of paying a guy with a year and a half experience, if that, you know, 30, what was it, 32? $320 million over 11. Oh, AAV is $29 million. 29? Oh, my God. Like, 29 million for a guy with, you know, 200 games? That's crazy. 
oh wait, that guy is Fernando Tatis and is playing on par with Mike Trout this early on in his career with everything pointing upwards. Yeah, okay. Oh, you want to lock him in for the next 10 years? Don't mind if I do. Yeah, get him, you know, drug him if you have to to get him to sign this deal. Like, this is insane. All aboard. Yeah, I mean, this, this is what you want to see. Like, like this, this, is, this is a team rewarding a young player for, for being awesome, being fun, and uh, understanding that they attract them revenue. This is the exact opposite of the Ronald Acuna Jr. extension that we, you and I talked about last year that was the most disrespectful and duplicitous thing I'd seen a baseball team do to one or the faces of their organization. Um, this is the exact opposite of that, where it is such a breath of fresh air with the Padres understanding that winning is going to cover, winning games will cover this contract. And also, $29 million in 11 years is a lot less money than $29 million today, and you shouldn't care about that. <laughs> like, let that shit go. It means more to him up front. Let it go. How fucking crazy is it that the San Diego Padres have somehow become the leading example of what it means to be an MLB franchise? They're doing nothing but the right like they're not making anything but the right decision in anything they've done lately. It's crazy. It's genuinely weird to see. And and like I again, we talked about this last week. I love it, but it is so odd to see teams like the Red Sox and the Yankees not do anything big this offseason and have teams like the Padres and the Mets running the show. It is so odd and I I don't I don't mind at all. We all joked about 2021 just being like the climax of 2020. I think we're seeing how it's actually going to go real quick. Things are going to get weird. Even weirder. It's weird for 2020 standards. The Padres and Mets leading the MLB. Yeah, yeah. Not not, not the California and New York teams that you were expecting to kind of run the show here. Mm Mm-hmm underdogs are finally here little brother's turn let's go and you know this is this is just such a smart thing for for the padres because like how are you going to look at the braves and give a shit after what they did to acuna jr you know like they raked that fucking dude over the coals and didn't give a shit uh with that eight year hundred million dollar contract like him Tatis Jr. Huh? Him and Ozzy. Yeah, Ozzy got got a short end of a stick there too. Um, and how are you gonna look at that and go like, yeah, that's where I want to spend my career, where they'll just do that to a player out of nothing but money. Like that's it. That is the sole decision making factor that they made there. It didn't matter that Acuna Jr. made them relevant in the 21st century after the retirement of um fucking uh God damn, uh, Clipper, jo- um, yeah, Clipper Jones. His name always sounds made up to me, right? Chipper Jones. Chipper Jones. I say Clipper Jones. Chipper Jones. His name always sounds made up to me, but it is his name. Because um, it's not real. No, it's it's a very goofy name. But he made that team. They like Acuna Jr. along with Ozzy Albies made that team relevant again, and the Braves rewarded them by fucking them. And Tatis Jr. has made the Padres, um 
a lot more relevant a lot faster than they otherwise would have been. And they rewarded him with $30 million a year. <laughs> it's wildly different. And how do you look at that and say anything other than send me to fucking San Diego, man? Did you ask a question there? I'm just jerking off the Padres. I thought you might want to pile on. Oh, hey, no, I do that every night. There's not much left to pile on. Kind of spent. Are there any other moves you could reasonably see uh, the Padres making? Or actually, since we kind of started this off this talking about the Mets, uh, we can loop back there in a second. Um, nah, actually, we talk about the Padres plenty. <laughs> we probably should talk about uh, the Mets. I got one for the Padres, though. All right, go Club ahead. Lay it out on me. This year. Clev's out this year. Replace yes. him with your his best friend. Sign Bauer to a one year deal, just like he wants. Eh. You just because you don't want it doesn't mean it can't happen. I'm not saying I want it either. I'm just saying there's a chance it happens. It's a chance that there is still more cane, more cocaine, excuse me, for our front office to do. Cocaine. Yeah. I just hope they don't use it on Bauer. He is the world's most annoying person. Um, anyway. So let's take a quick peek at the uh, the Mets roster and see what else that they might be able to have up their sleeves. Uh, as it stands right now, catching for them, I guess, is still going to be Wilson Ramos. Uh, first base will likely still be Pete Alonso. I still have Robinson Cano slotted in here at second base. We'll see if that actually holds up. Um Ahmed Rosario at shortstop will be replaced by Francisco Lindor, uh, J.D. Davis at third, Jeff McNeil at, at left, Brandon Nimmo at center, Michael Conforto at right, and um, there will be no DH yeah, um, for them to play. Now, there's been rumor of uh, George Springer to the Mets, which I think has a lot of weight, um, which would transform this outfield, um, mm -hmm. which is already a pretty damn good outfield. But um, are there any other moves that you see that could affect that uh, that that lineup right there? Oh man, I honestly don't know enough about the free agents that are open right now to uh, still at least to make a difference, kind of like George Springer would. It would be cool for them to grab a pitcher just to you know sure up that you know at this point weak point because I mean they have Thor, they have Degrom. Who else do they have? Oh, they have Stroman, right? The Mets still have Stroman. Yep, yep. They they re-sign Marcus Stroman. Wow. That could be a pretty yeah, serious so, uh, starting lineup. As it stands right now, the Mets' starting rotation is Jacob Degrom, Carlos Carrasco, Marcus Stroman, David Peterson, who I don't know, um, and Stephen Matz. Oh, David Peterson was a first-round draft, seventeen, so he's pretty young. Um, so Bauer would uh, fit in nicely there. Obviously, I don't think they need someone necessarily of his caliber, but if Cohen's serious about spending money, spend the money. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's definitely a good point. Um, oh, sorry, sorry. I, I forgot that they also had James McCann at catcher instead of Wilson Ramos. Um, so James McCann is also going to be there. Um, not that that really I'm, changes I'm, much. What'd you say? San Real Muto, then. Well, I I was going to say, maybe not San Real Muto, but another interesting um, piece for them to acquire might be Wilson Contreras from the Cubs. Um, the Cubs appear as though they're tearing down. 
Um, and again, Garage not that man. James McCann is complete ass, but I mean, having James McCann as your backup catcher with Wilson Contreras being your starting catcher is a pretty great position to be in. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think anyone in uh, New York would be complaining about that. Way better than that Gary Sanchez guy. Oh, gee, he's so fat and lazy. Dude, oh my god, he bat like 11 last year. It was awful. It's like he doesn't even want to be good at baseball. Oh, told me. Oh, god. I hate, I hate it so much. Um... Yeah, I think this is going to be interesting because I think I think we're reaching a point where the Mets lineup for a change will actually be better than their pitching, which has not been the case the past several years in which the Mets have had pretty damn good pitching, but sucked ass in terms of hitting the baseball literally at all. Um and this year, with a so this is how Fangraphs projects their lineup to look. Um, leading off, Brandon Nimmo followed at center, playing center. Uh, Jeff McNeil playing second. Francisco Lindor batting third, hitting short. Um, Michael Conforto batting fourth in right. Pete Alonso batting fifth, playing first. Dominic Smith playing left, batting sixth. Batting seventh, J.D. Davis at third base. And then James McCann in the eight hole playing catcher with whatever pitcher is pitching that day, batting ninth. Um, and I mean, I mean, goddamn, like that's, that's not fucking bad, man. Let me tell you. And, and, you know, adding on a guy like George Springer just takes that from looking damn good to looking shit, <laughs> like fuck real fucking good. Um, there's a real scenario in which Pete Alonso bats sixth in that lineup after hitting 53 home runs a few years ago. They refuse to let... Uh, Jacob DeGrom lose another Cy Young because he doesn't have enough wins. They are just refusing to let that happen. Which I'm all about. Yeah, rack him up, man. Watch them improve their batting and then Jacob DeGrom goes on to win the next three straight Cy Youngs. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't be upset. He keeps throwing harder. It sure is a mystery. Um... But I'm I'm definitely here for it. It it's Are you are you ready to put the Mets at number three? Behind the Dodgers and the Padres? Uh let me look at let me look at the uh the teams in the National League right quick before I say yes to that, because I'm not confident in that. My gut says no, um pretty authoritatively. Um in part because the Braves, I think, are likely still a better team. Um, let's see. Because I don't think the NL Central can be trusted. You and I have talked about this. I don't care how good any of those teams might look last season. Um, once they had to play any team that was not also in their division, they were quite ass. Um, so you're not scared of the Pirates? Not scared of the Pirates, but uh, funny enough, if the Pirates improved even marginally, they might be able to make the playoffs. Um, but the Mets are definitely better than Washington, who's made a weird acquisition of uh, Kyle Schwarber. Who knows why? Um, they're almost certainly better than the Phillies, since I don't think the Phillies are 
really done anything to turn their situation around and are probably headed towards another rebuild. Um, I understand that the Marlins made the playoffs last year. I don't believe in them. The Braves, I think, are legitimately good and will be again. So maybe, maybe fourth at highest, um, since the Cubs are also trending down, sucked last year once they made the playoffs. Same thing with St. Louis. Uh, yeah, maybe fourth. I'll give them, I'll give them fourth. Solid. But that gets them to the playoffs. Don't get their hopes up too much with a podium finish. I get it. No, 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 no. The Mets have to understand that while they have improved, they are still the Mets. Mm-hmm. You really got to work hard to uh, get that dirt off you. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, man, they're going to have bomb hitting for like the first month of the season. And then Jacob deGrom's going to need, I'm not going to say the, the, the surgery name, but he's going to need some type of procedure and it's going to put him out. And that's just going to send the Mets into a downward spiral. Because with the Mets, it's always some bullshit, unpredictable nonsense. Like, historically clean Robinson Cano, all of a sudden loving steroids. <laughs> like, yeah. like, who knows, man, with that fucking team. How many ankles is Jonas Cespedes going to break? Right? How many open foot surgeries does one guy need? Because Cespedes, he literally played in one game for them that season. And then was like, nah, I'm done. He hit a home run against the Yankees and then didn't play again for the rest of the year. That's the only reason he came back to baseball. I mean, <laughs> it was just amazing. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, I guess we'll keep an eye on what else happens with this free agency um, since there's still, a, as, as we've said, there's a number of players that have gone unsigned. The Trevor Bauer one is probably the most... Um, highly watched because of how good he was last season. There's a Cy Young on the open market. That doesn't happen a lot. Uh, like as in, in terms of a guy coming directly off of his Cy Young season. Um, however, there's a lot of caveats in that it was a shortened season. Trevor Bauer only had to face his own division, which was the worst division in all of baseball. Um, and he's an asshole. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, but he's a funny asshole. I don't even give him that. I don't find him amusing. I, I think he's just a dick, um, but regardless, um, we'll we'll see what happens with with any other big splashes. There's been a lot of unpredictability with some of these moves, or at least within terms of um, what's been moved for the players. Since the bar has been set pretty low, we might see some more wild shit coming up. I've been hearing rumblings of the Arenado trade talks, um, so that would be that would be fucking spicy. I gotta say, um, at this point. I, I joked on Twitter, but at this point, the um, Cleveland team might as well just trade Jose Ramirez, too, because why the fuck not? Um, but again, we shall see. Don't uh, you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I think I have to, because if they're willing to do that to Le- Francisco Lindor at this point, why even bother keep um, Jose Ramirez around unless they genuinely think they can win with whatever bad lineup they put together combined with zero outfielders? Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber winning them 20 games and then all the rest of their starting pitchers losing them 140. So we'll see. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in Cleveland and neither should you. Uh, uh, in other baseball news, on a, on a quieter, sadder note, uh, Tommy Lasorda passed away uh, this week. The 93-year-old was the oldest living member of the Hall of Fame. He was hospitalized earlier this year, uh, earlier this month, 
with coronavirus and was released from the hospital um, under what we thought might have been good spirits. But unfortunately, it seemed as though it was more of a hospice um, and he passed away just this past week. Uh, He was with the Dodgers organization for, I think, something crazy like 71 years. Um, Not even an exaggeration. I think he started with them when he was 22. And then after he finished playing with them, he went on to manage them and then was a GM with them and and then was just a personality with them. Um, So uh, he literally spent more of his life with the Dodgers than most people see in terms of living that long. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It truly like a crazy run. Um, He's known for being a wild personality um, and being kind of the one of the one of the funny men of baseball. Um, and, uh, he is a, he's a member of the hall of fame. He's a two-time uh, manager of the year award winner. Um, and, and his presence will be missed. Yeah. Uh, I know I talked to Josh earlier in the week, you know, right after this happened about it, it not necessarily being a surprise because his health has been in question for so long. You know, he is as old as he is. Um, and it's just it's one of those things where you're not surprised at all but at the same time you're just so unbelievably sad because you know what he meant to the Dodgers organization and you know we joke about the Dodgers always having everything and and not having and you know don't need nearly as much shouldn't get nearly as much as the rest of the league but you know he was someone special to them so it's tough to tough to see you know strike the baseball world yeah uh- he was uh he was just such a such a fucking character which i think was a lot of the charm of a lot of baseball players especially the old ones because it feels as though we tightened up in terms of how we think about baseball players over the years considering the wild cast of characters we often had um in the yesteryear baseball um your yogi berras of the world um and Tommy Lasorda was definitely one of those types of guys i, I think my favorite quote from him was and it felt very danger field when I heard it. Um, but it was um that my my wife complains that I love baseball more than I love her. And I told her, uh, you're right, but at least I love you more than hockey and football. Um and that's fucking hilarious. Uh brutally honest. <laughs> and I think something that we can resonate exactly with the face of Tommy Lasorda um at that being who he was and the the type of character he brought around uh, the game that will be sorely missed. Um, So rest in peace to Tommy Lasorda. RIP in peace. RIP in pieces. Uh, All right. So where do you want to go from there, Josh? I don't think I really have anything else. I, I think baseball news has been pretty much that, um, Hockey's getting ready to pick up. Um, basketball's been going. I don't have anything constructive to say about it at the moment, other than the Knicks just keep on winning. Um, that ball well, they, did, they didn't last good. night, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of all I got. You guys got anything else over there on your end? Uh, I watched Ethan play soccer last night, but you can't really call that sporting news. I don't think that's even a sport. Yeah, it's not. He said he hurt himself a bunch, you know, as you do. 
Jeez, it's like one league above Quidditch. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, at least Quidditch is a good movie. Uh, what? <laughs> I, I, nothing. Uh, all right, then uh, Corwin and I are trying to get out of here before this Steelers-Browns um, game starts. For, for anyone who's... I guess we've all watched the Saints game. I sure hope it gets better because watching a playoff game end seven to three would really suck. And uh, that's where it's been since like the first quarter. So this is lame. Um, but we'll talk about that um, in Thursday's episode. Uh, yes. Send him to the Jets, please. Thank you. Um, end of end of sentence. Uh, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. And if you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. Um, and until Long Thursday. I'm not going to say no. There you go, baby. Until Thursday, you all have a good one. Bye.